previously on the Hot and Cold Podcast. Hot and Cold Podcast is adopting an animal, Axel. Yes, baby, we're doing it. Hold on, guys. Yeah. Let's go over the rules again. I'm not a doctor. I've been married a long time ago. Where did you come from? Where did you go? Where did you come from? Cotton Eye Joe. I got the COVID. And it was just the hangover. Let's start off. I, I wanted to. I brought the whiskey. Okay. You want a glass? Let's get. Let's get a glass, glass of whiskey. <laughs> okay. Three, two, one. Natalie Stalmach. Welcome to the show. Thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. Get on the mic. <laughs> um, I, I'm a mic snob. If you get away from the mic again, we're gonna have problems. Okay. I'm kidding. <laughs> Is this better? Yeah. Okay. Um, casa. Yes. What does casa mean? So CASA stands for Court Appointed Special Advocates. Okay. And tell me your association with CASA and what you do with them. So I'm the Director of Development, and I I work with our fundraising team and marketing and PR. So getting the word out about what we do, that's one of our sort of big barriers because it's an acronym and if you hear it you don't really know what that means house in spanish house in spanish um which you know could work it could work we also get casa manana confused with casa manana in fort worth which is love a lovely place yeah um we're not a summer uh musical theater we uh, advocate for (laughs) abused and neglected children so so pinocchio no pinocchio no. no it's quite different Beauty and the Beast. No. I think I went there when I was a child a yeah. few times. I went there once as an adult. A guy did a movie premiere. It was kind of cool. Um, so this is a pretty large organization then. this is. Uh, I, I thought maybe it was county-oriented or is it state, federal, so there local? Are, uh, it was started in Seattle in the 70s. Um, and it is, there are over 900 programs nationwide and 72 in Texas. So in North Texas, it's pretty much every county. There's 16 counties have their own program. And then in some other areas that are more rural, there might be a couple of counties together. That's cool. Um, so court appointed special advocate. Mm-hmm. What does that even mean? Do I get to like go up there and like... Who am I advocating for? You are advocating for children who have been removed from their homes by Child Protective Services and placed in foster care. So either in the care of a foster family or a relative. Um, And the reason that they're needed is that the caseworkers in the system and the attorneys, the child has an attorney too, they just have a lot of cases. It's kind of an overburdened system. And so what the CASA does, you have one case. And that may be a one child or it may be a sibling group, but you don't have a caseload sitting on your yeah. desk of 30 kids plus their families and all the associated things that need to go with it. You have one. Yeah. Um, and so you're able to sort of help prevent those kids from falling through the cracks. You advocate for their best interest. Our goal is to get them, the children back with their families, yeah. if at all possible, Um Last year, that was about 80% reunification, either with one or both parents or with a relative. That's what's better for the children long term. Um, The volunteer has more time to look through a case file, find family, um, talk to family, get them involved, rather than saying like, hey, can you take your five nieces and nephews tonight? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, The question is more like, how can you be involved to support these kids? And if it turns out after a while you think that 
they could live with you, that's great. But when you lead with a question that's that hard, yeah, sometimes people Oof. are not able to do that, and then they drop out of the process when maybe they could have called the kids once a month. That yeah. We don't want to cut family out of their lives just because the kid can't live with them. Yeah. So there's a lot of things that the advocate does. They do educational advocacy, medical advocacy, and they're required to see the child twice a month. Now, in COVID times, that's virtual. Mm. Okay, okay. Um, but, you know, we've had volunteers be super creative. Um, one guy was teaching his teenager how to play guitar, and they've wow. continued that via Zoom. And um, Okay, so I see CASA, a court-appointed special advocate, as um, someone I thought, and, and forgive me, I think I'm right, but it was their voice in court. Their voice in court. So during a 12, a typical 12 month case, um, there's a court hearing, probably three to four court hearings during that time. And yes, the, the advocate has written up a court report that says this is everything that's going on since the last time we met. Yeah. Um, this is how they're doing in school. This is where we are talking to grandma about maybe potentially moving in with her. This is what mom's doing on her services. This is what dad's doing. All, all of that information for the judge. Okay. And submitting that to the court. Yes. Wow. You're going to make me work. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, um, are, are the CASA, the CAS advocates, mm-hmm. the CAS, are they paid? No, no, completely volunteer, completely volunteer. And, um, and you're talking one at a time. You're talking one, uh, on child, you're, you're handling one child, one child or a sibling group or a sibling group. Yeah. And so, uh, is it abuse or abuse and such, or is it just simple divorce type thing? It's not divorce custody. It's all abuse Abuse. and or neglect. So that encompasses physical abuse, sexual abuse, um, physical neglect, which is a a huge category that can include um, domestic violence happening in the home. It can include substance abuse. Yeah. This is a, this is serious trauma. Yes. Um, Do advocates ever discuss with you guys their own trauma and it's not not like that the, the trauma they experience but trauma from hearing what these kids are talking to these kids is that something that happens at all oh yes really right so when you do this process and because you're working with kids in the foster care system there's a high level of confidentiality yeah so we encourage the advocates to so they're assigned a specialist a child advocacy specialist that is an employee of casa that is their manager, their supervisor. Our volunteers are not supposed to, or, or they can, but they are not required to have a background in social work or the legal system or mm-hmm. child welfare. So they're going to have a lot of questions. The per- their go-to person is their specialist that is the one that has those yeah. answers or can get those answers. So they're encouraged to talk to that person. We also have a program called Helping Hearts where your spouse or a friend or a a a sibling, a child, you know, adult child can go through this and learn about what CASA is and the confidentiality process so that there's somebody that you can talk to. Cause we don't want you to experience these things and then not have a way to process them because you're not allowed to disclose that information to just anybody. Okay. Are you, are you familiar with a big brother, big sister program? Mm -hmm. Um, they, I, I, 
I feel it's similar. Obviously, you're doing different things, but it seems like we spent some time. You required once or twice a month to, to be with them. Um, you s- spend time with them. I guess this is more specific towards uh, child custody, which um, you could argue have a far, very large impact uh, on the future of the kids. Yes, absolutely. Um, I have a, a, a thing that I picked up a while back, and I love it. It's, be- it's easier to build good men than it is to repair broken ones. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the cool part about working with kids and trying to get them on the right track Mm -hmm. early on. Um, And so thanks for, you know, doing that Um, is so the case worker, there's a case worker that handles uh, multiple advocates. Is Mm -hmm. that what you're saying? Right. So one, I'm going to say caseworker, but there's a – what would a t- the title be? Um, Child Advocacy Specialist. A specialist uh-huh. has multiple um, advocates that they're working with right. um, to make sure, hey, this kid said something to me today that I don't know how to handle it. And they right. say, well, this is what you do and this is what you right. don't do. Okay. Um, and, you, and you're on more of the PR side. What gets you – what got you into like CASA and advocating for children and – um. Super random. What got me into nonprofit in the first place was just sort of falling into it out of college. Went to UT, didn't want to leave Austin. I had an internship at the Austin Public Library Foundation and um, got a job at the ballet in Austin and worked there for four years in fundraising. Ballet. The ballet. Wow. So then I moved. You ballet? Uh, no, uh, (laughs) I went to Miss Marianne's ballet uh, school kindergarten through sixth grade here in oh so you're a pro oh here in grand prairie yeah yeah yeah. is that there was one here and little it was very close to here yes like there's a chiropractic guy seriously like two blocks away and that used to be a dance that's probably it yeah wow yeah i was coming over here i was like this is somewhat familiar familiar. yeah so uh but no i didn't there were a lot of people that worked there that used to be dancers that was you can't stand on your toes absolutely not (laughs) um i can you can? No. That's impressive. <laughs> um, what it taught me was like really good fundraising practices because yeah. fundraising for performing arts is, is hard. Um, it's not for, you know, for everybody. Um, and then I was familiar with CASA actually because of the program that's in Travis County in, in the okay. Austin area um, about what they did. So when I moved back up here and there was a job opening, that's how I got started. Now, Lime. being drawn to this work to stay so long, I've been there over eight years, is um, my mom was a social worker um, and then a teacher. My sister is a social worker. Um, That sort of giving back teacher kind of mentality has been in my family. And I, I thought if I was a social worker, I'd get burned out pretty quickly Yeah, because I would not be able to separate the work. Um, So I like this because I'm on the business side and I'm able to, enable the volunteers and the staff to do what they do. Yeah. I'm going to uh, throw this at you. I hope you don't take offense to it, but I'm curious. I'm very curious about this. So, um, giving back, um, working with kids, um, you're paid. What do you mean mm-hmm. giving back? So I, I want to see, I kind of curious about your reaction to that thought. And, you know, there's this, there's a thought of like, I think, some of the biggest nonprofits have CEOs that make millions of dollars, right. right? And so obviously you're not a CEO and obviously your your entire 
job is to raise funds to help kids, mm-hmm. right? So what if you get you get make a living doing that? But I'm curious about uh, your thoughts on um, g- giving back and being involved in a nonprofit, but yet mm-hmm. getting paid. A lot of times, if I give money and I'm like, man, there's just, there's like a lot of people up there that are getting paid. Is my money going to them or is it going to the right. kid? Right. I'm not accusing anybody of anything. I'm curious what on your, what you think of that idea and what people, if people, other people accuse you of stuff like that. I think, accuse. It's not an accusal. It's just a thought. I think a misconception about nonprofits is that they make very little money. There's a, a zero sum at the end of the year um, because our goal is not to profit. It's not to see yeah. how much money we can raise so that we all get bonuses. That's a good point. It's um, you sales know, are up this month, if, right? You know, if if we raise more money, then we're able to do more things. Yeah. We're able to serve more kids, or we're able to put some money in reserve. So when something happens, like a global pandemic, oh gosh. we are not in a position where we have to lay anybody off and then our services to children in foster care get cut because this is a very difficult time yeah. for kids in foster care and we're going to see more kids come into the system and the need is going to be greater. So I think the misconception for nonprofit world compared to business is people assume that everything should be done on a shoestring budget, yeah. which we have a very lean organization and that is the model is is leveraging the the power of the volunteers yeah. hours and their mileage is what keeps us going otherwise we would, every cost of program would be a mini cps department yeah. if all of those people we have over 400 volunteers if all wow. of those people were paid we're just another government agency okay we have over 400 volunteers your particular casa In organization okay so tarrant county yeah and so does Dallas County have their own CASA Dallas organization? Dallas County has their own program, Dallas CASA. They probably have over 1,000 volunteers. Wow. And do you spend time conversing and with them, at or are you all just a different entity handling different things? At, this, at the program and CEO level, they do, um, because there are some similarities. There are some differences because, you know, county governments are different in the way they're set up. So we serve children that are removed within Tarrant County. And that could be, you know, for Grand Prairie, that could be a slice of Grand Prairie, a slice of Dallas County, a slice of Ellis County. Um, So it's really by geography where that child was living, their residence. Um, And if that falls within Tarrant County, that becomes a Tarrant County case within the Tarrant County family court system. Yeah. Wow. If it falls on the Dallas side, then it goes into the Dallas family court system. So you do have to have some uh, organization and meeting each other. Do you have a board of directors. We do. Um, who makes that up? Is it staff or is it all volunteer? It's all. And then, so it is volunteer. Mm-hmm. Is that Joe Schmo who wants to volunteer, or do you try? Or do you try to get you know? I'm going to say elite or upper level, you know, guy, uh, high profile maybe. I mean, I don't whatever. Right. So they're they're all volunteer, um, and it's people from the community. We've tried really hard to diversify. In all areas, our board, there are people with skill sets that are necessary. We have a lot of lawyers, but that's helpful because of the nature of what we do. Absolutely. Um, how many boards, board how, members? How many board 22. Okay. So did you have an executive board, I guess you call it then? That's more treasurer, right. secretary, president right. type deal. And how many on the executive board? Nine. Nine. 
So uh, Chamber of Commerce does that. I think they have 30 or 40, mm-hmm. and then they have you know eight or nine on the executive board. And so you got the entire the input from everybody. And I imagine that part of that's awareness. I mean, the more people or positions you're able to fill, you're giving somebody a title and a, and a word in your organization, which makes them a part of it as opposed to just showing up on a Saturday um, right. for fundraising. Um, you, you've mentioned fundraising a couple of times. You're what, what type of fundraising are you doing? How often? Um, so we get money. We don't have any fee for service. So, um, we don't charge the families. We don't charge the children. So we get some money from government funding through that funnels through Texas CASA. So the statewide organization, and that is, Federal Victims of Crime Act and statewide crime victims compensation. Yeah, of course, but that's split up over 254 counties or whatever, however many organizations there are. Um, Some money from the Attorney General's office, again, specifically for victims of crime, which our our children are, unfortunately. And then local foundations, so those, you know, grant proposals. And then individuals and corporations. We have a two major special events we have a clay shoot in the spring wow. in march and then we have a superhero run in arlington in october uh so, superhero run just a 5k 10k type a 5K. thing yeah. yeah and a fun run so the tagline is every child needs a hero and abused children need superheroes so yeah, we, it's a dress up yeah we did something similar um golly it's been a couple of years ago now but it was the heroes. Everybody dressed up mm-hmm. and ran uh, here in Grand Prairie. So, I mean, I I, I don't even like talking about it because every time I talk about it, it sounds like, look what I do. But here in Grand Prairie, I've been involved in a lot of nonprofits and a lot of the fundraising, particularly my passion is with Children First. Mm-hmm. It's a counseling center. I'm curious, um, do you spend time or, refer, or do referrals over to counseling centers? Um, I say that because – Obviously, you're, you're probably dealing with a lot of trauma with these kids. Right. Or is that kind of what that court-appointed advocate's role is? That Well, no. Advocating that therapy is received is part of the volunteer's role. Um, there are certain agencies or providers that are contacted through the state to provide those services. Yeah. But making sure that the child is receiving therapy, is receiving quality therapy. And by quality therapy, I mean a trauma-informed approach. And that they're seeing the same therapist so that when they move placements, um, because generally they're going to move three to four times while they're in foster care is the average, that they're not switching therapists because that's not effective. And for a child to have to start over and retell their story every time they switch providers is traumatizing. By the the last one, they just sort of clam up. They're like, I've done this before. It's helpful. I'm not doing this again. Um, so there's a lot of building of trust involved, and yeah. Um, are, um, you mentioned your mother. Uh, is your is your dad your mother married to your father? Mm-hmm. And no major trauma parents in your life. Mm-hmm. I mean, my parents are married. Like I can only imagine. I can't imagine having to wonder where I'm sleeping. Wonder. Right where my parents are and if they're yelling at each other, whatever it is. And you're trying to uh, just be a child really. Right. And uh, so these, these advocates, I guess, are kind of their voice to kind of Mm -hmm. 
make their way through the system. Oh I my think gosh. there, are, I think there are a lot of hard moments for kids in foster care that people don't think about. Um, cause sometimes you think, okay, well they've moved from a bad situation into something better. There's, there was unsafe and now they're safe. Yeah. But there's so much in there in terms of quality of life and what what it feels like to move in, in the middle of the night or whenever it happens for CPS to show up to give you a trash bag and say, put as much of your stuff in here as you can. Yikes. Get into somebody else's car. Go to a foster home where they may be nice and welcoming, but yeah. you don't know them. No. And they're saying, trust these people that yeah. are strangers yeah. and sleep at their house tonight. Wow. And if you have a large sibling group, um, there might not be a space big enough for all of you. Um, maybe ever, but certainly maybe not at the beginning. And yeah. so some of your siblings go over here and some go over here and then you're expected to go to a new school the next day and pay any kind of attention to what teachers are telling you when you have no idea what's going on with your parents, you're thinking about the siblings that are not living with you. Um, there's, there's a, a lot in there that people don't think about and a lot of well-intentioned things yeah. that I think we're realizing now um, are just really hard for kids. And then we don't understand why placements break down or their behaviors are bad at school. And then they continue to get moved again and again and again. And so putting yourself in the place of that child and yeah. what that feels like, and no wonder you can't pay attention in school. No wonder you're angry. Yeah. He's a bad kid. Right. What? <laughs> I mean, that's right. That's, that's the, that's so funny how that happens so easily. Right. You just paint them as a bad kid. Right. And, uh, I mean, I was a knucklehead, you know, my, my brother, um, more or less was the saint and I was just like the bad kid. And, um, it wasn't my parents' fault. It wasn't anybody's fault. It was just the way things happened. I mean, I, I grew out of it sort of, I mean, I, I think I still have the same tendencies and such, but, um, I mean, I was kicked out of school in eighth grade. I had a principal, um, I've had him on my podcast. Uh, he was a former NFL player. He never like punished me. He was always like, "Come here," you know, mm -hmm. you know talk to me about stuff. Right. And it, it wasn't never like deep conversations that I let it all out. But he was just like, he knew that I was more. He said he he always said I was fronting he, front mm -hmm. front and co. He's a, a NFL receiver at one point, but was taking the time to talk to me right. was far superior than whipping my butt or putting me in ISS or, or punishing me, and um, I. We go now, God, COVID just ruined everything, but we go to, the, I go to my, that same school and the counselors would pick out a group of eight to 10 kids that are just bad kids. I said, bad, mm -hmm. they're bad kids. And sure enough, you get to talking to them and it's just like, some of them are a little bit tension, tension deficit. Some of them, um, they're so smart that this is like nothing to them. So they're not doing any of it. And, yeah, it's just interesting when you when you dive a little deeper. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I want there's that there's an argument of like we teach the kids the same thing. It's like I think we've gone beyond that now with, with individual learning and and um, more options for kids. I mean, school districts are like completely being transformed right now. Artistics, career, uh, STEM, which is science, uh, technology, engineering, and math, and um, it's. It's being catered to the specific needs and, and characteristics of a kid. 
Um, some people argue against that, but I, I find that I think it's pretty pretty powerful. And, and when you when you capture a child at an early age, um, get them ingrained, it keeps them from doing all the things that get them in trouble. Uh, if you get encapsulated with uh, s- some type of engineering or whatever trade that they're teaching you, um, or a higher level of study, mm-hmm. um, it's pretty cool. So, how you said you said the clay shoot? Um, that's a, that's an interesting thing because I feel like with the right group of um, participants, mm-hmm. you can raise some serious money and have a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm familiar with uh, a quail ranch in East Texas. You know, they, they, they have corporate sponsors go out there and bring their customers and they pay ten, twenty thousand $20,000 for a weekend and they go out and shoot quail. Right. And, and, yeah. There's a whole nother argument on what the ethics of that and such, but um, I mean, si- simply a simple clay shoot. Yeah. Um, could be a lot of fun. Talk, it is, tell me a little bit about that. It is a lot that. of fun. Um, it's a lot. I had never planned one before. So the first year I sat around in meetings and did a lot of smiling and nodding while people talked about guns and yeah. things I had no <laughs> idea about. Bang, and bang. I would just Google it later. Um, but what we what makes ours a little bit different is we have, you know, we have corporate sponsors. We have people that come out and bring clients or bring their employees Um buddies that just shoot together that make up a team we also have a friend of first responder level oh cool so we have people that can sponsor police fire ems um, that's a great idea so actually grand prairie usually wins they've won every year from their police department uh team is very good um where is it where does this uh take place at it's at alpine shooting range yeah i've heard of alpine yeah i'm gonna i'm curious i'm gonna ask uh some of our police yeah ask them about their clay shoot team they're very good well our um, chamber of commerce we're going to be competitors mm-hmm. was um, asking me about if we did a clay shoot fundraiser mm-hmm. would you do it um what's what kind of okay so when is it it's march 26th and as of right now you're thinking you're gonna as of right now hopefully we're on it's... what would keep you from doing it on march 26th like I don't, Lockdown, yeah, probably. double. Even if the cases are the same as they are right now, I feel like you could get it. We've learned to comply and right. the rules and such. Well, you know, a clay shoot is a little bit similar to a golf tournament in that it's spread out. You know, the stations are spread out. You're in yeah. a golf cart. You know, you're going to have to agree with your pod of people that you're shooting with that yeah. you're cool for doing that. Um, but you know, probably our biggest obstacle would be we have a morning session and then an afternoon session and then they overlap for lunch. And that's where we wow. do our, our speaking and we do our raffle, stuff like that. So we could a, we could spread people out more. Is it a tournament? I mean, I mean, it's it's I guess what I'm trying to say is like that sounds like a long time. I mean, well, I guess not, like, I not guess, everybody is there all day. Just the staff is there all day. You, yeah. either, shoot, you either pick the morning or you pick the afternoon. Oh, so I sign up, I go mm-hmm. shoot my clay. Right. My brother's name is Clay. I feel bad saying <laughs> that. And submit my score. Mm-hmm. And then later on, we find out right. who did. It's like, so when we do our golf tournaments, so I've done more golf tournament fundraisers than I can think of, besides luncheons. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody's playing golf at the same time, and right. you turn in your score yeah. and you have dinner because that's still four or five hours plus dinner. So. Right. I imagine it's it's a similar time frame. 
Um, what kind of prizes? I mean, like, um, so I'm we, sorry, sorry. What's the entry fee? The, so it's a thousand dollars for a team. Team and what's on a team? Uh, four people. Four people. And then three hundred. I mean, golfing's one. I mean, one seventy-five at a. I think we have one that's one twenty-five, but uh, one seventy-five a person. Mm-hmm. Plus, you end up buying all the extra stuff. Right. Maybe you do that there too. So it's not. So that's two fifty a person. That's not too mm-hmm. far off. Um, so thousand for a team, mm-hmm. and and then you have different sponsorship levels. We I'm have sure. different sponsorship levels. That friend of first responder level is seven fifty. Um, to sponsor and you, I mean, you could come out and say hi to the people. That doesn't include you shooting. Yeah. But it, 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 so a seven fifty could get a team of four first responders. Yeah. And um, fire police mostly. Right. right. Okay. What about military? We don't have military. We could. Sure. We could, you know, Would you throw that in the? We could throw that in. We could throw in. Um, hey, if you want to give up seven fifty and yeah. have four military guys go, yeah. we've had. You'll um, take it. Our program director's husband is a game warden. We've had the game oh, wow. wardens out. Yeah. The ga- I mean, the game wardens, this is their thing. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, One of my, um, I only know him through hunting. I don't, so, and I haven't seen him in a few years, but um, I see him when I hunt. He's in the military and he's going to go into <laughs> game warden when he's mm-hmm. done here in a few years. That's a cool job, I, I feel like. I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I'd like the legal enforcement action, but. The being out, your job is literally Outdoors. to go to ranches and, yeah. and check on people. Um, so can I sponsor the Clays? Sure. If you want to put your brother's name on them yeah, and have them? It's already there. It's an easy <laughs> yeah. thing. Um, so is, and I, I'm, I'm diving down the sponsorship mm-hmm. levels, I guess. Mm-hmm. So what do I sponsor um, if I want to be a sponsor? Just here's your money and you put my my name on we put your name on so there's two different courses yeah. at alpine so there's the a course sponsor your name's that's this co- the coal course yeah. the the clay course yeah um, the clay clay yeah and then um d- down from there depending on where your signs are things like that yeah what uh and then what was the second fundraiser you said the, the two su- major the superhero run that's oh, in yeah, arlington yeah. so where it's at the levitt is that certified Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. You about to say Levitt? At the Levitt Pavilion, yeah. You start there, you kind of run south, come back around. Yeah. How how many times, it, how far along, how many times have you done that? Has that been a while? Yeah, I so think it's a next regular year will be run. our seventh, seventh? seventh year. Yeah. yeah. Did you do the clay shoot this past March? No, that was no. like right, that was middle that of was lockdown. That was so hard. It was a real, like, Game time decision because it was the last weekend in March. And so, two weeks before was when, yeah. So, So I'm sure everything was like almost ready. It, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, what was nice is that we, we actually didn't have to pay you pay Alpine based on the number of people that show up. Yeah. Um, so we weren't like locked into some contracts like some other nonprofits were where they lost money by not being able to have an event. Um, we hadn't paid for the food yet, things like that. Yeah. Um, okay. So, um, Entries. Mm-hmm. It's okay if they wanted their money back, but were people... People were so generous. They're just so like, what we ended up doing was just canceling and asking people if it was okay to keep their money. Yeah. Um, because we, you know, there was so many unknowns that, you know, if we postponed until May, do we postpone until June? You can't yeah. postpone much further than June because then it's too hot. And what do you, you know, how far do we go? And do we have to, po- 
postpone and then reschedule again. And and so what we said was it, there's just a lot of unknowns. We, we're just going to cancel. Um, we would appreciate it if you would consider your sponsorship a donation. And everybody did. Yeah. Is uh, the run um, – when, when, when is that? When it, it's typically. in October. Um, so, so this we past did, October, did we, you do it? We did virtual. Uh, okay, you do your own run. Yeah. Right, and then turn it in. Yeah, yeah. You download a specific app and upload your time. Is that certified? I don't know. I mean, you wouldn't really necessarily be able to use that to yeah. qualify for that's the between Boston you. Marathon or something. Yeah, that's between you and <laughs> right. the certification company. Um, we, uh, we did the pumpkin run every year. It's yeah. really fun. The 5k, 10k pumpkin run. And, uh, they didn't do it this year. Mm-hmm. They tried to do the virtual. I don't know how it went. I used to be very involved in rotary mm-hmm. and not so much anymore. Um, we've I, done some mutual advertising with the pumpkin run. Okay, good. Some flyers back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. Our, uh, it was funny. One of our volunteer opportunities was go to the other races and put flyers uh-huh. out and yeah. such. So yeah. That's a good. That's how you get that runners. Yeah, you advertise yeah. to runners, um, and it's amazing. Some of the runners like actually get upset. Um, they're so serious about. I don't want to take anything away from them. It is a serious thing, right? But they, this is like, it's planned. It's timed. I'm going to do this run, and you're telling me I can't. And they'll, I mean, they'll raise. They'll raise. Yeah. Um, but okay, so with Rotary, we would. Um, it's. It's a nonprofit, but we run raise the funds and then like a month later write checks to twenty different mm-hmm. uh organizations. If you haven't, that'd be a good I mean it's not a whole lot of money, mm-hmm. but depending on your relationship with them, I guess. Right. But they would just say, Come out, have lunch with us and then they do a little check presentation, thousand mm-hmm. dollars. I mean, I don't know. But a thousand dollars for a lunch, you know, yeah, it's yeah. pretty good. Um, what about luncheons? Do y'all do that very much? We don't um, have that. We do every other year. We have a shoe fashion show in oh. South Lake, the Ruby Slipper Soiree. Um, I need to go check out some shoes. You wear red shoes. Um, there's do guys wear red shoes? Uh, there because like boss some red kicks. Does not or something? wear red shoes, but there was a waiter one time that had red Converse on. I was like, thank you for participating. Well, you I, get a yeah. raffle ticket for wearing red shoes. Yeah, this isn't a sexist thing. No, it's, it's not. not. Absolutely not. Everybody's welcome. Mm-hmm. So that's a really fun event, and that's helped um, sort of our following or awareness, community awareness in the northeast region of Tarrant County. Because the, yeah. di- the different thing about Tarrant County than um, some of the others is that we have so many cities within it. Now, Dallas County does have a, a little bit of Grand Prairie, a little bit of Irving, oh, yeah. things like that. But Tarrant's Fort Worth, Arlington, Mansfield, Keller, Benbrook. Jeez. You know, Saginaw. So we've discovered that for fundraising purposes, because our our office is in Fort Worth, but there's not really anything to see in our office because we are volunteer based. Our volunteers are out in the community. So we we have our run intentionally in Arlington. We have that other event in South Lake. We just had an event spread it out in Mansfield. And we found that if you don't go to those communities, especially to try and recruit volunteers, it's mm-hmm. just not the same. So building relationships in all of those communities has been really important for fundraising, but volunteer recruitment is always something that we're doing. Yeah. Um, how many court advocate court appointed special advocates do you have in 
currently in your county? Mm-hmm. I think we have about 450 okay. right now, like actively working a case, but we have over 500 kids on a waiting list. Okay. And that was my next question. Mm-hmm. So um, that's only half of what you need, right. if not less. Um, how, how do I become a court appointed special, special advocate? You've moved away from the mic. I know. <laughs> Thank you for getting back on me. That one. Um, Hey, I'm the snob, not you. Oh, okay. So we have what we call an information session at least once a week. That's the first step, and it's an hour and 15 minutes. Right now they're all virtual. Yeah. And it's us walking you through what the process looks like, what being an advocate looks like, what the time expectations are going to be, what the – sort of getting into the nitty-gritty. Usually there's Uh, another – Information session. Information. Usually there's another volunteer there to answer questions. Yeah, someone who's, like, doing it currently. Doing it. And where's that at? Can I go to the website you and find the website the... is speakupforachild.org is our okay. website and speakupforchild.org speak up love for a child for a child yeah. .org. Yeah. Um, that's a I love the that's a good start like mm-hmm. I feel like sometimes you don't even know what you're getting involved with um, even I, I'm thinking about that right now for boards and such like mm-hmm. to get people to actually volunteer for the board to say hey this is the board this is what we do right this is what we expect from you. Um, I never even thought about having the simple information. Uh, I guess it's, easy, it's probably easier virtual, right? Because anybody can log in. Yeah, there's a lot of, I mean, it what helps if it with capacity for what, sure. What if it wasn't virtual? What would you, how would, would you do that you information? You come to our office yeah. in Fort Worth yeah, in like our training room. room. Training yeah. Um, but the capacity there is about 30 people. The capacity on Zoom is... Well, pretty for, much unlimited. I'm so. sorry. I thought, I mean, if you're having 30 people a week. So the conversion rate is yeah. is not the same because what nearly. we're asking you to do is not, you know, um, build a house on a Saturday or um, it's a it's a long-term commitment. It's 12 to 15 hours a month, depending on sort of where you are in the case, how many moving parts there are. Yeah. Um, three to four court hearings throughout the year. Wow. And we ask for at least a 12-month commitment because that's the typical length of the case. Golly. Now, what we don't tell people is sometimes the cases go longer than that. Yeah. Um, so we have some advocates that have been with their kids for three plus years and that's that advocate and that kid for that three plus years mm-hmm. nothing changes mm-hmm. as long so what, that's what, the point that's the point of that's part of it is consistency what happens in a year and a half when i'm like man i just had a kid or man i just my job just changed you just you, you unfortunately to, yeah you have to leave i mean yeah. that's life it's volunteer yeah. um we have people you know especially this year where people's jobs have changed, their work circumstances have changed, their um, their kids are at home. Yeah. They're... Do you make a special uh, effort to make sure that, say that kid's been doing it for an hour, a year and a half, he loses the advocate, is he on top of the, top yeah. of the list? Yeah. Because, or, he's, I guess it is definitely... Y'all determine it's beneficial to keep an advocate with that person. This... Even though the others don't have one. It's since that person's on a route. Right. What the staff member will keep the case themselves until they find somebody else to assign to it. And if you're in, in care for that long, you're either probably looking for an adoptive placement. Mm-hmm. Um, you might be older 
And in that case, what we're looking at for probably middle school to high school is, are you on a track to age out? Um, And, you know, some programs do extra classes and education for aging out and what life's going to look like when you turn 18. We'll do some of that, but we also are still working on finding a placement for that child, family connections, looking back through, like, who was a teacher you had back in the day that you really connected with? Let's see if we can find them. Just be a person that you yeah, can well, call if teacher you need something. Teacher back in the day. I like that. Um, because it, when you're learning these things in a vacuum and then you're on your own, so what if you took a class about how to do a resume or apply for a job or do a rental application? If you hit a question that you don't know how to answer and you don't have anybody to call, what are you going to do? You kind of give up. I called my parents so many times my freshman year of college yeah. <laughs> with the dumbest questions. Um, what does the gaslight on my car mean? Yeah, no. yeah. Daddy, what is this? <laughs> my dad worked at Lockheed. He got a lot in Grand oh, Prairie. Cool. He got a lot of calls from me Yeah, freshman year of college. Well done, Dad. Um, okay, so I'll go to the information session. Mm-hmm. This is like, man, I think I, think I want to do this. Yeah, if you think you want to do this, you're going to fill out an application. We do um, a personal interview. And then you'll do a background check, yeah. CPS check. Um, when the fingerprint places are open, you'll do fingerprint yeah. background check. So can y'all even take somebody on? Yeah, yeah, they can do fingerprints now. Yeah. I think those. I think some of those are opening back up. We yeah. we there's other background things in place that we can do can until do. those open up. So you go background check. You're not a mass murderer, right? And you're an. Uh, Above average, good person. Hey, here's your kid. Or is no, there even more? There's tra- yeah, <laughs> there's, a lot of. There's 33 hours of training. Yeah. Um, and is that virtual? Okay. Right. Let, oh, golly. I, know. I don't want, I don't want, because things may not go back. I mean, so. I'm, well, so before there was some things online and some things in the, in the classroom, quote unquote, at the, at, at our office. Yeah. And so we'll, move back to at least some face-to-face because there's more opportunities for breakout session, like actual good conversations, yeah. a little bit better face-to-face. Um, you know, what we have learned is there are a lot of things we can do virtual that we didn't, didn't. know that we could do. So that's wow. helpful, um, especially for our continuing education, that there are things that we could put online. There are things that we could do virtual when people don't have to come to our office in Fort Worth that don't live in Fort Worth. 33 hours. 33 hours. That's legit. It's legit because we're not asking you to do something small. We're asking you, you're going to learn about the child welfare system. You're going to learn about the legal system. Yeah. So you don't walk into a courtroom when courtrooms are open and have no idea what's going on. And there's a lot of legal jargon going on that doesn't make any sense to you. You know, you're going to have kind of cheat sheet. This is what these things mean. I can see the, um, the problem with getting advocates. Um, that's a serious commitment. I it's mean, a serious commitment, but you know, we have some, some things that we fight against the misperception is that I don't have enough time. Um, so a lot of our volunteers actually work full time. Yeah. So if you have a flexible enough schedule that you could take a lunch break at a different time to be able to go to court at 10 AM. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're a teacher, an active teacher, that doesn't generally work because you have to get a sub and it's a whole thing. But if you have job flexibility where you could go to a court hearing from 10 to 11 
whatever, three to four times a year, you what, can do this. What is the thought process on paying a court advocate, court-appointed special advocate? Zero. Okay, I mean, that's the response I yeah. got. And I wondered, and I say that, I'm not in it for the money, but if you're 500, if you need 500 more of them, um, and you offered hundred bucks a month. I mean, I don't know. I'm just, mm-hmm. I mean, uh, you know, a, a bank board of directors is typically volunteers or um, the v- vice president of the bank or whatever. And they usually get a stipend. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes it worth their time to come and do these things. Um, sounds like y'all have never even come close to considering that. Is that, no, I, 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 can... I wouldn't encourage that. And I don't want people to do it for the money. Okay. Right. I'm, I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying the thought process and it completely changes the model. You yeah. know, then you've got part-time empl- then you've got 400 part-time employees Ugh. and all, all of that, you know, there's yeah. the, the volunteer aspect is, is what we're trying to get people to do. Yeah. It's it, what, it's what makes us able to serve as many children as we do. Okay. Um, so let's go this route. That volunteer. Take away your, your, I, I want to say Kess advocate, but. I'm just being retarded with my words. So take away your advocate. What what's how is this handled without advocates? I mean, how is how are these kids you've got one caseworker hoping to keep up with four hundred, five hundred, a thousand kids, I guess? Well, if they don't have an advocate, they still have a a caseworker through the system. Which that's always been, right? That's, that's always been always whether they it's have some an type of appointed. CPS worker right. who's got a caseload. Right. And so instead of that caseworker going to these kids individually, they're going through, uh, they're talking to the, the, the advocate. So they, they have both. The caseworker still has the things that they have to do, yeah. regardless of whether there's an advocate on the case or not. The advocate's just able to provide a lot more detail because they're able to devote a lot more time to yeah, that family. The, it's the kid... The best description I have is the kid's voice mm-hmm. in court. Right. That was the description I kind of got. Yeah. Um, that was a friend of mine that did it here in Dallas County. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was, uh, it was kind of a surprise. I didn't, I didn't expect that from them, but on the same note, it, I'm, I'm so glad that they did. Um, okay. So I think that's about it. You have uh, the major fundraiser coming up in March. Um, I'll try to get some more information on that and post it whenever I uh, release this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, anything else that you can throw in for CASA that um, w- would would help with either recruitment or fundraising? I mean, I'll make a pitch. I don't know when this is going to go up, but if you you know are looking to make a tax deductible gift before the end of the year, we yeah. certainly you can do that on our website. Yeah, speak up for a child dot org. Okay. Volunteer recruitment, you know, we've we've got a waiting list of over 500 kids because of the need in Tarrant County, not because yeah. of an inability to recruit volunteers. Yeah. It is a it is a challenging thing, so it doesn't mean I that mean, it's 400 is a lot of volunteers. It's a lot. So it doesn't mean that we are not recruiting volunteers. It means that unfortunately in the the rate at which Tarrant County is growing means that there are more kids removed. So Tarrant County has the third highest number of confirmed cases of abuse and neglect behind Houston and Dallas. And 
that I mean, that's just the numbers. That's just a population thing. Yeah. Um, hopefully there's maybe a little bit more awareness about people calling things in. There's yeah. teachers that are educated about what they need to report, medical professionals. Um, what I think everybody thinks is happening is that the cases that would have been called in by teachers are not right now when mm. when school is virtual. Yeah. So that's that's something to think about, and especially at the beginning of the pandemic, there were a lot of stories about kids in the hospital, yeah. um, some really severe cases at Cook Children's in Fort Worth. Uh, you know, stress, job stress, all, all of this compounding stress, especially for families that were already. Yeah. Um, I love the idea. I mean, I, this is awesome. I'm so glad you do this. You know, you got this problem that really more or less is undefeatable. I mean, but yet you guys are in there like grinding away, trying to save just that one kid and make a difference in that one kid's life. Those are the moments that make it worth it. You know, when you're slogging through and the numbers feel unattainable that, that this 17 year old kid got adopted before he aged out, that these siblings went back to their mom who's been working really hard and she got herself out of a domestic violence situation and she did the classes and did everything she was supposed to. And now these kids get to go home or we found a grandma in Colorado and we're going to make this work. Or, um, you know, we have a, I went shopping on Monday night for a quinceanera dress. Yeah. (laughs) Um, for older than 15. It was not for me, Oh, okay. but thank you for pointing that out. (laughs) Um, But to be able to give, uh, you know, the other thing we talk about in foster care is normalcy. So, you know, as much as everybody's kids are not being able to do the things that they usually do in terms of after school activities and that kind of stuff, when kids are in foster care and they're moved around or there are a lot of foster kids in the home, they're not doing those things ever. Wow. So to be able to have a child that's been through so much in her first 14 years to sort of say, well, I guess, you know, I'll just have a little birthday party. I kind <laughs> of and then she kind of opened up to her advocate and said, I guess I always dreamed of having a big quinceanera and I guess that won't happen for me because I'm in foster care. And we're like, no, no, no. We're going to do this. figure this out. This person's going to do the cake, and this person's going to find a dress. This party's going down. This party's going to happen. Cool. Natalie, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Um, I, I just think it's an amazing thing, and uh, I, I didn't even know it existed until a friend of mine did it. And mm-hmm. so if I can shed a little light on it uh, for people to get involved and, and know what's going on, it doesn't seem like it's uh, an incredible uh, taker of your time but um, well worth it. And and, Absolutely. and the investment in your fellow man would grow exponentially for the time you spend doing this stuff. So thanks again for coming on. Thank you so nice much for meeting having you. me. Absolutely. All right, take care. Thanks. <laughs> so cool. 